This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Maren Morris is out with a new album. It's called Humble Quest. This comes after a busy few years. She was featured in the Grammy-nominated dance track, Middle, which was my favorite song on my half-marathon running playlist in 2018. She joined the supergroup High Women, which features Washington's own Brandi Carlile. We're the High Women, we sing a story still untold. She has been the most played woman in country radio for at least a two-year stint, wrote the Grammy-nominated song Bones, had a kid, and released this new record, and Maren Morris joins me now. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I love the intro. That was just like memory lane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've done a lot. And as I mentioned, you know, you've you've been kind of bouncing around genres, but this latest album seems very much in the country realm. I'm thinking about some of your other songs that sound like pop, but kind of with with some country living inspired lyrics. Yet you've also kind of gone against the grain on some of those country lyrics, like talking about marijuana in your song, All My Favorite People. And everybody spends what they made that week on a tank of gas and a little bit of weed, but all my favorite people do. You know, you've been called a crossover artist, which kind of reminds me of how Casey Musgraves was disqualified from the country categories of the Grammy Awards from her latest album. But I'm curious, have you ever gotten any pushback from the world of country with how wide your song and genres have been? Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's it's a very purist-driven genre at times. And you know, I think that there's a part of me that understands it because I think country is very loyal to its roots and, you know, our heroes and heroines of the genre are still the most iconic names in it today. If you talk about Dolly Parton or Loretta Lynn or Willie Nelson. So it kind of harkens back to this yesteryear time in a lot of ways. I appreciate knowing your history, but also moving the genre forward and also not being beholden to genre lines has always been important to me. So yeah, I, I feel the most at home in Nashville and in within country music, but I think that I'm always going to be very genre fluid because I have so many influences, but I still, at the end of the day, think that my lyrics are country. I mean, they're storytelling. So if there's a a beat on top of it that sounds poppy or if some of my melodies veer pop, you know, it just depends on the day. But with this record with Humble Quest, it's definitely the most organic instrumentally that I've released. I loved seeing photos of you back in 2020 when you were performing nine months pregnant. (laughs) And I am expecting my first child in July. So that was like super inspiring for me to to see you doing that. Thank you. And you ended up having your first child at the very beginning of the pandemic, you know, March of 2020. And, you know, I kind of knew this background of your story and when I was listening to your new album, I heard the song Hummingbird and I hear a little interaction at the beginning of with you and your son. And so I'm like, oh, man, this song has got to be about motherhood. And of course, I just start crying <laughs> listening to it. Mama, 
I want to hear more about this track, Hummingbird, and how that came together. Hummingbird, hummingbird, you're the sound of these strings. Hummingbird, hummingbird, on my skin rest your wings. I'll hold you in my loving arms, but I'll let you fly free. Hummingbird. I wrote Hummingbird the day that I found out I was pregnant. So my husband and I were trying for a few months and this particular morning I took a pregnancy test. It was positive, but I had scheduled a co-write that day. And so on my way to my right, because I didn't want to cancel it, I called my husband and said, we're having a baby. Okay. Love you. I'll talk. We'll celebrate later. And I go and write this song and I wrote it with um, three of my favorite songwriters in Nashville, um, Lori McKenna, Hillary Lindsay, and Liz Rose. And they're all incredible writers. They've had tons of number ones, tons of Grammys, but they also are all mothers. And it was just pure kismet that I wrote it with them that day. And so I had my son the pandemic hit, all touring got blown out. And by the time I was recording the album and putting Hummingbird into the studio that day, I uh, my son was starting to talk. And so it was just, I mean, the most full circle moment to pull my phone out, get a little recording of him saying mama and him being around one, I think at the time. And just now it's sort of cemented eternally in this song and he's on it with me and uh, he's two now, but it's such a magical song for me because, you know, it's just had such a journey from the day I wrote it when I found out I was having him. And then now he's, you know, he's on it. So I have to ask, what was it like performing nine months pregnant? Oh, I mean, it feels like a fever dream because I feel like maybe it was my pregnancy, but I, I don't remember a ton about that third trimester. Maybe it's like your body's way of lobotomizing you. So you continue to have more children because or, it, like when you can't remember what your birth was, like you, you forget every memory of birth. <laughs> yeah. Or even those first few months after your baby is here and you don't sleep, it's like, you just get amnesia about it. So you do it again. But, um, yeah, I did the Houston rodeo. Uh, that was my last show before I had him. And, it was scary just because I was nine months pregnant. I had to get a letter from my OBGYN to even go and perform. And I brought my doula with me just in case I, you know, went into labor on stage. I was out of state, so I wasn't near my hospital even. So it was, it was a little scary, but I'm also so proud of myself that I did it and it went smooth it was tough to sing because I had a giant baby pushing <laughs> my diaphragm. But I mean, the photos alone, I will have forever. And just remembering that, like, we are badasses. If I mean, we really are. And um, yeah, it was definitely a moment I'll never forget. 
I love that. So you have a very moving track on this album. It's called What Would This World Do?, which was written for your longtime friend and producer, Michael Busby, who passed away in 2019 from a very aggressive form of brain cancer. But there's answers I don't want to know. Like what would this world do without you? Tell me more about this song and the impact Busby had on your life and career. Yeah, so Busby, before I had ever been in the room with him to write, I just knew he had a ton of songs and hits with artists like Pink and Gwen Stefani and John Bellion. And then in the country world, you know, like Lady A and Keith Urban. So he was really multi-genre with his talent. And so... When I first started writing with him, you know, one of the first songs we ever wrote together was my first ever single, My Church, which ended up being my first single to radio, my first Grammy. It really opened the door for me as an artist. And then he produced my first two records. So, you know, he was extremely woven into the fabric of my sound um, and the creation of that sound. So... When he was diagnosed with glioblastoma in 2019, all of LA, all of Nashville, I mean, just our writing communities were in shock. And so not knowing how quickly it would be before he passed, I wrote What Would This World Do with my husband, Ryan, who had a lot of songs with Busby as well. And then our friend, John Green, who's a a British songwriter that was very close friends with Busby as well. So we wrote that. Uh, when Busby was still with us. So that's why it's titled the way it is, is us like pondering what our worlds would look like without this person that has been so integral to our identities here. So it was coming from this place of hope, even though we kind of knew the diagnosis was not good. And then he passed away a few weeks after we wrote that song And it was, yeah, it was devastating. And I felt like I lost, you know, not just my friend, but I lost someone that really helped shape my artistry and sound. And so that's why I chose to end this album with that song as a tribute for what he did for me. And even though he's not on this record in a musical sense, like Busby will always be tied to me musically and emotionally because of what he he did for me and so this felt like a way to hopefully respectfully honor him and his legacy oh out of everybody i'll only have one use what would my You have spoken out about racial diversity in country music. Um, you released a song in 2020 called Better Than We Found It, which addressed racial issues in our country. Well, we sit on our heads, do nothing about it. Oh, will we leave this world better than found it? My little brother and I are afraid. All our life has been here. America divided we fall America America God save us all from ourselves and the hell that we built for our kids 
curious what kind of reception your comments or that song has had and if you've seen any momentum forward on the issue. I mean, I was really scared to put a song like that out because I don't think of myself as this activist. I'm I'm a songwriter. I'm I don't know if like activism is my calling, but having been, you know, in love with country music for so long and also been a working member of it for the last decade. I think 2020 really allowed us all to take a beat and realize, I mean, especially for me, just looking at the huge disparity between, I mean, not just people of color in country music, but also women in general, LGBTQ representation, just across the board, it is very white and male. And I think maybe the the silver lining of 2020 was looking under the hood for the first time and realizing, oh my God, like, am I a part of this problem and doing something about it, or at least being able to have the conversations about it. So I think it's getting to a place that is better than it was, say like two, three years ago. I mean, you're starting to see a lot more representation I mean, not so much on country radio, but I mean, Nikki Guyton just sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl. And the rockets the bursting in And she was just nominated for three Grammys in country categories. You're starting to see the dial shift in the right direction. I wouldn't say it's moving fast enough, but I mean, it is better than it was. But yeah, we're definitely in a growing pain phase right now. And I think it's because we're at least having the conversation, Uh, but you have to keep banging down that door because people are a lot more comfortable not talking about it and going about their business the way it was and the way it was serving them before. So I think you have to be this yeah, like squeaky wheel in a sense to just keep it in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, you're part of the group High Women, which was created in response to how few women are played on country radio. Like I didn't realize until High Women came out that there are country radio stations that have rules that they don't play women or they they have rules on on how much they limit how often a woman is played on their station. I'm curious if you've seen any movement forward just on gender issues since joining High Women in 2019. I will say in the last several years, I've seen more women getting played on country radio. It's still like a very off percentage compared to men, but I mean, there are more and it used to just be like only one or two of us would get any airplay. And now I'm seeing a lot more female representation and it's a little bit better, but the high women's purpose. Yeah. Was to bring, I guess, light to that issue, but also just create a damn good country record and know that like it can be done. And it was honestly a very traditionalist sounding project, even though there's like a gay love song on our record, like Brandy's singing, like if she ever leaves me, it won't be for you. If she ever leaves me, it won't be for you. 
There's so much on there that's pushing the the envelope, I guess, but um, it's it's real. I think it's the most country thing I've ever been a part of because it's the realest depiction of what people are going through right now. And that's what country music is to me is three chords and the truth. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing more ladies on the chart, but yeah, it's, we've got a ways to go. I've been speaking with Marin Morris. Her latest album is called Humble Quest. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Emily. That was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.